Those word pictures to say that that's what the apostle wants from these believers, that they be 
that you take and the strategies that you employ to carry out what you say you want to do. He says, in these things, not there be unity. There's not a place, he says, for disunity in them. So the first action that he takes is that he appeals to them for unity, but he takes another second action when he anticipates the response in verses 11 to 12. You can almost hear the Corinthian church saying, well, Paul, how do you know what's going on here? How do you know? And so with those two questions in mind, Paul seems to answer them when he says to them what he does in verse 11. Paul, what makes you think we have problems? He says, well, I've been informed concerning you, my brethren. The word informed means that he has been set clear regarding them. He's had a report, you see, from the household of Chloe, a delegation of Chloe's house, whether it was his servants or his family, we do not know. I said his, Chloe is a woman's name. It was a woman who was apparently well-known among the Corinthians, so that when he mentioned her name, she would be immediately recognized. They were the ones who had brought to Paul the letter that they had sent that caused this letter to be written. And in addition to the letter that they sent, they also had some verbal things to say to Paul. And so based upon their report, he's writing these things. They're the ones that said to Paul, Paul, there are problems in Corinth. The church there is divided. I ask you a question. Was this a righteous act on the part of those people? Or was this gossip on their part to pass along in a prayer request, as we saw earlier, what the real situation was? Or we might ask it this way, is it ever right to tell? Is it ever right to squeal? Well, the answer to that is that we have to ask three questions before we squeal. The first question we have to ask is, what is my motive in wanting to tell this? The motive needs to be that, of course, of love. Secondly, I need to ask the question before I tell somebody what I know. Am I willing to be identified with this message? Am I willing to be known as the one who passed this along? If I'm seeking anonymity, then I need to really go back and check my motive again. And the third question is, am I telling someone who can intervene and do something? Because if I'm passing along a report to somebody who can't do anything about it anyway, and what is the real benefit? You see, as a household employee would ask those questions, they could answer them all in a positive way. They were part of the church. They loved the church. They were willing to be identified, and they were bringing the issues to the one man that God had appointed as the apostle to answer these questions. The report was that there were quarrels among them. He wants them to know that. The word quarrels means contentions or debates. And we know from what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, that when there are debates among the people of God, somebody's in the flesh. Because 
intentions is the work of the flesh, of the sin that still operates within our humanness. Zodiacus says in his words about this text, a quarrelsome spirit is a carnal spirit. But there is somebody who wants to fight. But there is someone who wants to quarrel or to take issue that that person needs to check the spirit. I don't know why jokes about this unity are always told of the choir. I suppose they aren't always, but so many are. But I, I read this one recently that I thought was rather humorous. Although if you're a choir member, you probably won't think so. And the choir member said, no, well, what is your position in the choir? And the experienced choir member said, neutral, I don't side with either faction. The second question that may have come to the Corinthian believers was, well, Paul, what contention are you writing about? And so the apostle makes it very clear in verse 12 what he's talking about. Here's what I mean. He says, each one of you, indicating the breadth of this problem, by the way, each one of you, he says, is saying, I'm a Paul, Paul of Cephas in Christ. The problem in the church was that they were divided over personalities. There were some who liked Paul best because he was the founder of the church. He was the one who had come to preach the gospel there. He was the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. and He was the first on the scene and therefore they were loyal to Paul. But there, are, there were others who liked Apollos better. Apollos, who was the pastor of the church when Paul left. Apollos was a very eloquent speaker. Apollos was a man who apparently loved Greek philosophy, and he was able in his oratorical ability to bring in all kinds of, of uh, aspects to his preaching that some people liked a great deal. And so he said, well, we like Apollos best. And then there was uh, a group who liked Peter now, what Peter's relationship was there, we don't really know. He may have ministered in Corinth, or perhaps there were others who came to Corinth later and uh, who had known Peter. But there were some apparently who felt, well, Peter was one of the originals. He goes all the way back to, to the Twelve. Maybe this was a Jewish element. They said, well, Peter is the apostle to the Jews. Therefore, we're in, we're in Peter's party. And then there were some who said, I'm with Christ. Notice that Paul does not commend them. Because these people were saying that they were of Christ. They had the right name. But they had the wrong spirit. Apparently these were a very super spiritual group that disavowed any human leader. They might even have claimed some special relationship to Christ. But they had a holier-than-thou attitude apparently. And so he includes this group as among those who are divisive, even though they use the name of Christ. And he, he talks to them very bluntly. Uh, he anticipates what their response is going to be, and he says, look, here's how I got the information, and here's what I know. That's what you have to do when you confront contention. You have to have your facts in order. 
says, has Christ been divided? Now you stop and think about that. That's a rather repulsive picture. He says, has Jesus' body, his resurrection body, been divided up? Some of you have his arm and some of you have a leg. And some of you have his head. He says, is Christ divided? Most rhetorical because obviously Christ is not divided and nobody has a piece of Jesus. We all have all of Jesus. But then he asks the second question. Paul was not crucified for you, was he? The way it's put, you can see, expected a negative answer. Of course, Paul was not crucified for them. Notice he doesn't mention Apollos Peter here in these questions. He does this out of reserve without wanting to further inflame in Corinth, but he points to himself. But neither Apollos nor Peter were crucified for the name. He asks a third question. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? 
division in churches is so common. In a day when strife and quarrels are justified and wrapped in spiritual language, and biblical rationale can be given for why one person does this or says that or believes this or takes that position. Lord, in a day like this, help us to be part of the answer to your prayer that we be one. And wherein we have had a quarrelsome spirit and been divisive, give us hearts to deeply repent of that, to confess our sin, and to bring ourselves up 